Thanks for checking out this message from Coastal Community Church. We hope it's helpful and encouraging. All right, good evening, everybody. Welcome to Coastal. Woo! Are you excited? I know I am. I am Pastor Chris. Merry Christmas Eve. Uh, tonight, I know many of you have a long night ahead of you, so I'm going to do my best uh, to cut to the chase and not keep you any longer than necessary. Uh, tonight, I want to talk about presents. I want to talk about gifts. Now, let me ask you a question. Think about this for just a moment. What have been some of your most memorable gifts? I mean, gifts that you've either given, gifts that you have received. Now, typically, the most memorable gifts, of course, are our first, right? Like your first bike, you remember that, maybe your first doll, or uh, maybe that special gift that you gave uh, your husband, your wife, on your very first Christmas together. Uh, other memorable gifts are, of course, the ones with uh, stories, uh, or the ones that you made by hand. In fact, I got a I got a couple of stories I want to share with you tonight about, uh, about gifts. Uh, one in particular, uh, several years ago, uh, during the uh, late fall, uh, we were having an oyster roast uh, here at Coastal, right out on the, the front lawn, and, and man, I am going to town. I am shucking, I am eating oysters, and all of a sudden, I bit down on something hard. Now, at first, I'm very frustrated, very worried, because I assumed that one of the crowns on my teeth had fallen off and uh, I had bit down on it. But I spit it out of my mouth, and lo and behold, I had found a pearl. A no joke, a real pearl in the oyster I was eating. I was so excited. I mean, I've grown up in Charleston my whole life, eating oysters my whole life. I have never, ever found a pearl in, in an oyster or known anybody else, by that, by that, for that matter, that has found uh, a pearl in an oyster they've been eating either. Now, you got to know something. Janet uh, wasn't there that night. She was uh, taking our daughter back to college for fall break. And so I told everybody there, hey, don't tell anybody. Don't tell Janet you know, that I had found uh, this pearl. So I take the pearl to a guy at our church who at the time was uh, the manager of the Zales uh, jewelry store right over there in Citadel Mall. And so he cleaned it up, he polished it, and he actually put it in a necklace that I gave, for, I gave to Janet for Christmas that year. And uh, if you're interested, I'm now selling it for $10,000. Because it came out of my mouth. I mean, where, where can you get something like that? Now, honestly, one of the most memorable gifts that uh, I have ever been given, it wasn't handmade, and uh, it definitely wasn't from Janet. Uh, it was actually a gag gift. You know, everybody goes to the you know, annual gag gift, white elephant gift. So we had one at church, and uh, I, I opened up this gag gift uh, in front, it was about 25 years ago, okay, so it was a long time ago, but standing in front of most of the adults of our church at that time, I opened up a box that contained a thong and a pair of handcuffs. Okay, so... Yes, everybody got a big laugh, you know, ooh, Pastor Chris opening up a thong and, you know, handcuffs. But it wasn't the thong or the handcuffs that made it so memorable. Uh, what made the gift so memorable? And to this day, I mean, I can just see all of this transpiring in slow motion in my mind. When the party was over, 
This woman from our church came up to me and Janet and asked if we weren't going to use them, could she have them? Now, first of all, why did she assume we weren't going to use them? That's what I really want to know. But let me just say this. I mean, I, hopefully I don't have to state the obvious here. But uh, when someone asks you for the thong and handcuffs, you give them the thong and the handcuffs. So memorable, memorable gifts, right? So for the month of December, uh, we have been in a series here at Coastal looking at the different gifts, the different memorable gifts that the wise men uh, brought to Jesus and their significance. And for the last month, many of you, of course, have been you know, frantically searching for gifts, right? Trying to find the right gift at the right price. And you know, if you're all honest, you know, most of you would not be having Christmas without Amazon Prime, right? So, and, and the next 24 hours, in fact, a lot of it is going to be about gifts. Wrapping gifts still, many of you, giving gifts, opening up gifts. In fact, how many of you, raise your hand if you have a tradition in your home where on Christmas Eve you get to open up a gift. Anybody, you do that? Yeah, and how many of you are pretty sure it's Christmas PJs, right? Okay. Now, that does remind me, though, of another memorable gift in our home. Um, and uh, underneath the Christmas tree on this particular year, um, I wrapped up a gift for Janet, and uh, I wrapped it in pink uh, Victoria's Secret wrapping paper, okay? And so leading up to Christmas, I mean, I, I got it wrapped pretty early, got it out there in front of everybody, and uh, leading up to Christmas, I kept saying things like this to Janet, Janet, I can't wait for you to open up your present this year. You are going to be so hot. And uh, in fact, Jan, I, I feel kind of bad because it's kind of a selfish gift. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's one of those gifts that keeps giving, wink, wink, you know? And, uh, and all she kept saying to me is like, Chris, please don't embarrass me in front of the children. So the moment of truth finally comes on Christmas morning. We're, you know, gathered there together with our, our kids, and uh, she, uh, she opens it up, and she burst out laughing because I had wrapped up one of those heat lamps from Costco. And uh, <laughs> memorable uh, gifts. Now, let me ask you a question. Where? Where did all this uh, gift-giving come from anyway? You know, did it originate with the, uh, the wise men you know, bringing gifts to Jesus. I actually think the tradition of gift giving began because our loving Heavenly Father gave you a gift at the very first Christmas. The gift of His one and only Son, Jesus. In fact, John 3.16, right? The, probably the most famous verse in the Bible. Even if you've never darkened the door of a church, you know this verse, you've heard it. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that He, What? He gave. He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And then listen to 2 Corinthians 9, 15. Thanks be to God for his indescribable, indescribable gift. And so very quickly tonight, what I want to try to do is to describe this indescribable gift. I want to give you some hints. In fact, uh, do, do me a favor. I want you to imagine for a moment that uh, God has a gift for you. 
It's all wrapped up, beautiful wrapping paper, beautiful bow, and it's sitting underneath your tree, okay? And so you pick it up, right? And maybe you're shaking it a little bit, and you want some hints to try to guess what this is. And so really quickly tonight, I want to give you three, three hints. First of all, number one, it's a gift of humility, It's a gift of humility. Luke 2, 5 through 7 says, He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. You know, so often at Christmas, we seem to be attracted to the glittering, right? The shiny, the expensive. So much so that we we typically overlook the simple, the quiet, and the humble. But this passage reminds us that the first Christmas gift came wrapped quite simply and humbly in animal rags lying in a feeding trough. Raise your hand if um, if you've ever had a, a Bill Murray sighting. Here in Charleston, right? Anybody? Okay, a few, right? You know, it's, it's almost become a thing, right? If you live here in Charleston, you know, have you spotted Bill Murray? Gotten your picture or your selfie with Bill Murray? It's almost like, where's Waldo? Well, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, just a couple of weeks ago, Bill Murray made the news again because he was spotted sleeping on the street in front of one of the restaurants here in downtown Charleston. Now, the media, the newspaper got a kick out of it because, you know, here's this famous person, right? Hollywood royalty, in fact, not only in our city, but now what is he doing? He's sleeping on our streets. But listen to me. That doesn't even compare with the fact that our God came to live on our streets. He wasn't born with a silver spoon in his mouth. He didn't grow in a palace only to be seen and known by the the rich and the famous and the powerful. He came to peasant people in an obscure hick town. He's born in a barn. His, His first breath of air would burn with the odor of animal urine. His first uh his first outfit would be made of cleaning rags. From day one, God determined not to shelter his son from the rude, crude realities of life. Think about it. Life without advantage, he lived it. Shortage, poverty, he's been there. Discrimination, you say. Oppression, he was a refugee before his first birthday. Rejection, he experienced it. Ridicule, it was a part of his everyday life. Abandonment by lifelong friends in his time of greatest need. Death of loved ones multiple times. Physical pain, more than you and I could ever experience. Matthew 1.23 says, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. He humbled himself. He became one of us. 26 years ago, um, there was an alternative rocker named Joan Osborne who sang a song, what if God was one of us? Well, guess what? He was. For 33 years, he was. What's what's the significance of that? Well, because he came to earth as one of us, he understands. He understands you. He understands your pain. He understands your hurt, your temptations. Friends, whatever it is that you might experience in this life that is driving you within an inch of your breaking point, 
which is where some of you might be at tonight. Whatever hurt you've experienced that, that has hurt you so deeply that just makes you over and over again want to cry out, I feel like I can't go on because nobody understands. Christmas is a reminder that Jesus understands. He's been there. From the cradle to the cross, Jesus lived a life of humility. Now do me a favor, pick up that gift one more time. I want you to shake it. Let me give you another hint. Not only is it a gift of humility, but number two, it's also a gift of happiness. A gift of happiness. Now, how many of you remember as a kid, um, again, talking about gifts, uh, asking your, your mom and your dad, your parents, what they wanted for Christmas? Okay? And without fail, every year, it's almost like it's a part of some parental code, right? They would inevitably say something like this. I just want everyone to be happy. Your parents said it too, didn't they? It drove you crazy, didn't it? I mean, you're thinking to yourself, come on, mom, come on, dad, you know, I'm pretty sure they don't carry that at Walmart, right? I don't have enough for world peace, so it's either gonna have to be slippers or soap on a rope, right? But here's the crazy thing. Then I became a parent, you know where this is headed, don't you? Guess what? I did the exact same thing. My, my kids would come to me every year asking me the same question. I asked my parents, Dad, what do you want for Christmas? And without fail, I'd say something sappy like, I don't need anything. I just want everyone to be happy. It would drive them crazy. I'm serious. In fact, they, they, if they press me, I'd say something like, I don't care what you get me. Just surprise me. Anything from you would be special. Now, here's what I know about you tonight. All of you. You want to be happy. In fact, happiness for Christmas would be awesome. I mean, call it whatever you want, purpose, meaning, significance, fulfillment. We are all, we're all searching for it. We're all searching for happiness, for, for it. I mean, it, it's as though there is this, this huge hole in your soul that we're all desperately trying to fill, trying to find something, anything that will fill it. And I happen to believe that God, that desire for happiness was given to us by God by our loving Heavenly Father. In fact, Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, he has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. In other words, what he's saying is that deep within our hearts, listen, we all know that there is something more to this life. The problem is, is that we're looking for it in all the wrong places. I actually think that most of you started wondering what it would be probably around the age of five. I mean, you thought it would be that new bike for Christmas, right? Until you got that bike. You had it for a few days, maybe a couple of weeks, and then you discover that wasn't it. And then later on, you start thinking things to yourself like, you know, if I could only make the football team or the cheerleading squad or the honor society, that would be it. And then you make that team, you make that club, and then you discover that's not it either. And then in high school, you thought, man, if I could only get a date with Mary, 
if I could only get a date with John, that would be it. And Mary and John were great, but then you discover they're not it either. Your first job, your first car, the right college, you thought all that stuff would be it. And then you start getting really desperate, so you think, I know, I'll get married, right? If I get a wife or a husband, they'll be it. And now many of you are married, and they're great, but guess what? They're not it either. And then it's as though a light bulb goes off, and you think to yourself, what? Kids, right? And now you know. Don't ever think that, right? You know what I'm thinking about. Here's how it goes. If I could only get that thing, that job, that relationship, that 75-inch TV, that grill, that iPhone, that car, that relationship, I'll find it. And then every time you get what you thought was going to be it, you realize that doesn't fill the hole in your soul either. Listen to me. So the Bible quite quite frankly says, let's talk about it. Do you know what it is you're looking for, whether you realize it or not, whether you accept it or not, whether or not you will act on it or not? Do you know what it is? I want you to hear me loud and clear. This is coming from a pastor. It is not religion. It's not. Religion is just you trying to clean your life up on your own, keeping a bunch of rules, trying to appease an angry God. It does not work. It never has worked, and it'll never satisfy. It is a personal, daily, growing, loving relationship with God through faith in his son Jesus. And by God's grace, I have found it. And so have many of you. And so we could shout to all of you who are here tonight, here in person or watching this online, listen, that is it. That's it. I would give up anything I own. I'd fork over anything I possess. I'd pay any price. You want my money? You want my car? You want my home? I can get along without all of that stuff. But I can't get along without Jesus. Because he is real and his love is pure. It, it, it is better than anything I've ever experienced. He has forgiven me. He has set me free. He has given me joy. And I have found satisfaction for my soul. It has filled that hole in my soul. In John 10.10 10, it says, Jesus in fact said this, the thief, he comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it how? abundantly, not just life, but abundant life, eternal life. That's what Jesus came for you to experience. And that leads me to the final hint. Pick up the gift one more time. I want you to shake it. It's a gift of humility. It's a gift of happiness. And then finally, number three, it's also a gift of hope. A gift of hope. Luke 2.11, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. A Savior has been born. Because a Savior has been born, we can have hope. The hope of forgiveness, the hope of heaven, the hope of eternal life. Ephesians 2, 12 and 13 puts it this way. In those days, you were living 
apart from Christ. Listen to this. You lived in this world without God and without what? Without hope. Stop right there for just a moment. I'll be honest with you. I I literally cannot think of anything, anything in this world worse than that right there. Living in this world, in this day, without God and without hope. And yet, that's how so many people are living today. But then he goes on to say this, but now, but now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. Listen, the reason we can have hope, the reason we have hope is because of Jesus He was born to die. He was born to to set in motion a rescue mission. And if you will put your faith and your hope in Christ, you can always be hopeful. So I want to close with this. And I want to ask you the most important question. What's your hope? What or who are you putting your hope in? I mean, let's just lay it on the line. You know, Christmas Eve 2021, what's your hope for heaven? Your hope for eternal life. I mean, seriously, are you counting on yourself? I hope not. I mean, heaven is a perfect place and no sin is allowed there. And last I looked, I I messed up perfection a long time ago and so did you. We're all sinners in need of a savior, and you can't save yourself. You cannot take care of your sin problem on your own. What about this? Are you counting on, you know, your your heritage, your family background? You know, that that maybe uh, your your family, you know, they're Christians. You know, your your parents are Christians. Your, Your spouse is. Listen, don't you dare do that. You will stand before God and give an account as an individual, You, personally, not not a family. Maybe you're here tonight and you're counting on the church to save you. Listen to me loud and clear. The Catholic Church can't save you. The Methodist Church, the Episcopal Church, the Baptist Church, they can't save you. And guess what? Coastal can't do it either. It's impossible. The Bible says, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. And so if you're putting your hope in any organization, any group, or any person other than a personal relationship with Jesus, then your hope is misplaced. You see, as odd as it might seem, God showed his great love for you on that very first Christmas by becoming a baby, by leaving heaven and coming to earth and and setting aside some of his power to take on the form of weakness. 2,000 years ago, the all-powerful God, the one who specializes in taking that which is commonplace and making it spectacular, the one who took a rod and parted a sea, the one who took a pebble and killed a giant, the one who spoke the universe into existence, the all-powerful God said 
to his angels, the time has come for me to show them my love to begin the rescue mission. And he loved you so much that he was willing to become a helpless, powerless baby in a manger to begin the journey to the cross to pay for your sin. Can you begin to grasp the incredible nature of the Christmas story? Christmas is all about God go into these unbelievable links to reach out to you so that you might reach back out to him and personally receive and open this gift. The loving Heavenly Father sent his one and only Son, Jesus, to the earth to be born of a virgin to be hunted down like a dog, to hide like a refugee, to live a perfect life, to give sight to the blind, to make the lame walk, to set the captives free, to be abandoned by his closest friends at his time of greatest need, to take a beating the likes of which you and I could hardly fathom, to carry his own cross up a hill called Golgotha, to have a crown of thorns jammed down on his head, to have spikes driven into his hands and in his feet, to have a sword plunged into his side, then to be suspended between heaven and earth and die a criminal's death on a cross to be laid in a borrowed tomb and three days later kick Satan in the teeth, conquer the dead, rise from the dead just like he said he would and start a revolution called the church so that you might come home. He did that for you. That's how much you matter to him. That is the greatest gift of all mankind. And the only thing, the only thing left, the only thing he is waiting on is for you to personally receive and open that gift. John 1.12 says it simply, but to all who believed him, and what? Accepted him. He gave the right to become the children of God. Let me ask you a question. Can you imagine ever being given a gift at Christmas and never unwrapping it? That'd be pretty silly, wouldn't it? I mean, think about it. You, you gave me some special gift for Christmas. I mean, you put a lot of thought into it, a lot of time and effort, personal expense, talking to some of my friends or my wife and getting just the perfect gift for me. And you thought about me, you know, while you were getting it, you thought about me while you were wrapping it, and then you presented it to me, and I said thank you, and I took it home, and I put it on top of my mantle at my house, and about a year later, you come over to my home for dinner or something, and you look at my living room, and you look up there on the mantle, and there's that gift. And it's still all wrapped up. I mean, the, the wrapping paper, the bow, everything. I mean, you'd look at me like I was crazy, right? Pastor Chris, there's that gift. I gave you that last Christmas, right? Why in the world haven't you unwrapped it? Oh, but, man, I just love the wrapping paper. It's so pretty. 
the bow. I mean, it really matches the, the decor of our house, right? Seriously, Pastor Chris. I mean, that's crazy. Why haven't you unwrapped it? Oh, but I'll get around to it. I will. One of these days, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open that thing up. And as crazy and as ridiculous as that sounds, yet many of you, many of you, you go Christmas after Christmas after Christmas. You have celebrated every Christmas as many years as you've been alive. And you know the songs, and you know the story, and you know what it's all about, but you, you personally have never unwrapped that gift. You're just enamored with all the packaging. I mean, let me ask you. Are you crazy? I mean, what gives? Seriously. You tell me the logic behind that. When God, your loving Heavenly Father, He is looking at you, you personally, He says, hey, I want to give you forgiveness for your sin. I want to give you a peace that nobody can understand. I want to give you meaning and adventure and purpose and eternal life. And you haven't unwrapped it yet. You haven't received it. You're never going to be offered a better gift. So tonight as we close, I want to personally invite you to open the gift. I want to invite you to believe and receive Jesus into your life. I want to invite you to open the gift. Bow your heads and pray with me. And I want to invite you to pray this in your heart right now. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing me here today. I feel like I've known my whole life that something was missing. I just didn't know what it was. And I definitely didn't know it was you. Thank you for loving me and pursuing me. Even when I've ignored you and run away from you. And then just pray something like this in your heart. Jesus Christ, as much as I know how and as much as I understand, tonight, Christmas Eve, I ask you to come into my life. Please forgive me of my sin. I put my trust and my hope in you and you alone. And for the rest of my life, I want to follow you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Thanks for listening. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, have a blessed day.